him and does what is right is acceptable to him. He sent the message to the Israelites proclaiming the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. You know the events that took place throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee and after the baptism that John preached. It was repentance for the forgiveness of your sins. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And how he went about doing good and healing all who were under the tyranny of the devil. Normally get amen from Max on that one. Yeah, um, <laughs> Because God was with him. We ourselves are witnesses of everything he did both in the Judean country and in Jerusalem. And yet they killed him by hanging him on a tree. But God raised this man up on the third day and caused him to be seen, not by all people, but by us whom God has appointed as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. In 42, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. And all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him Everyone who believes in him, everyone who trusts in him, everyone who puts their faith in his cross receives the forgiveness of their sins. The word of the Lord. Good one. Huh? Okay, so we're in uh, fifth or sixth, I think fifth week of looking at the message and, and the mission of the church. And so for the apostles, freshly commissioned by their Lord, freshly filled, baptized, drenched, whatever word you want to use, by the Holy Spirit in Acts 2, the message for them was simple and it was straightforward. Okay, It was the day of the Lord with all of its glory, with all of its carnage. Jesus is the one appointed by God to do that day to make sure everything happens how God wants it to. And they say you can believe in the day and believe that it's Jesus because God raised him from the dead. Okay, that's why you should listen to the things that we are saying. And finally today, you can be saved from the wrath to come and inherit eternal life through faith in the cross. Okay, like this is their simple message that they preach over and over and over. Acts 2, Acts 3, Acts 4, Acts 5, Acts 10, Acts 17, Acts 26. This is what they say. And then they write letters and they just keep saying the same thing over and over and over. The day, the man, the resurrection confirming it and the cross. That's our message, okay? So you, we're, we're doing this every year. We're going through these things at least once a year so that you can share the same message the apostles shared. You don't have to make up something in the grocery store or in your Bible study or, or at work. You don't have to make it up. We've got it. Okay? It's good. It works. It actually saves people. Okay? It, it works. And so today, uh, before Stoney leads us next week into the mission that follows the message, uh, we're going to cover this last element, um, the cross. And the cross, you are adorable, my friend. Um, the, the cross is the first bit of new information that the apostles have received, okay? It's the, it's the first new thing. The terror of the day of the Lord and the glory of the coming age. Israel regathered, Jerusalem beautified, the dead raised, that whole bit. They got that, okay? They, they, they understand all of those promises. The appointed seed, son, king from Eve, Abraham, David, and, and Moses, who will make sure the promises come true. Got it, okay? Don't need told that. Again, even the resurrection of the dead is not new to the apostles, right? When, when, when Jesus raises from the dead, they're like, oh yeah, because Isaiah said that would happen. 
And Ezekiel said that would happen. And Daniel said that would happen. Their timing's off. We thought it happened at the end of the age, but here's a first fruit. Now, but they've got, none of that's new to them. Jesus is not like blowing their minds with these things. Like, oh, the day of the Lord Jesus, we've never heard of it. All right? Like that's not happening here, but the cross is new to them. Okay, the cross is, is unexpected. Their uh, appointed Messiah from Eve, Abraham and David dying, one, and then dying in a shameful way like a common criminal. Right? It's shocking to them, especially with the expectation that surrounds Jesus um, at, at this point. Okay, It's not expected that the promised Messiah could be killed. So let's look at how they respond to Jesus, right? A couple weeks ago, they see him riding into uh, the cult, in, into this, riding on a cult, into the city of the great king. So Mark uh, 11, 8. Many people, when they see this, they spread their clothes, they spread leafy branches cut from fields, and they say, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna, like, they're like, oh yeah, this is the guy. Like, totally, this is what's going to happen. And then he's riding into Jerusalem, which the prophets say he's going to do. And when he does this, he's going to set up his kingdom, kick out the Gentiles, and govern all the nations in righteousness. And so they're expecting the kingdom of God, like that messianic kingdom of David, to appear, uh, Luke 19, right away. Immediately, like, oh, that's the guy. There's the cult. There's the palm branches. There's the temple. Like, we're here. This is great. And, and, and like, so all kinds of, of expectation. Uh, so when he's killed, it's just like, what? Man, like we are, we we missed it. Like either we're stupid or he was a really good liar. Like the the he's a magician kind of deal. So listen to how the guys on the Emmaus Road think about it. Jesus is raised from the dead, and then he's like popping into places in disguise. I don't know. They think he's a gardener. So they said to him, uh, Jesus says, "What things?" And they they said, "The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth." You idiot! How do you not know? Everyone's talking about it. Okay. Uh, he was a prophet, powerful in action and speech before God and all the people. You really don't know? Like, okay. And, and, and then they tell him how our chief priests, our people, and our leaders handed him over to the Romans to be sentenced to death. And then they crucified him. And then verse 21, and, and we were hoping he was the guy. We were hoping he's the one who's going to redeem Israel. Like all the signs were there. And then he died. They, they, they killed him with, with other insurrectionists. So there, there's no grid for the cross. Like, this is the first new thing for them. There's no reckoning with the messianic suffering before messianic glory. And so when Jesus does, like, explicitly talk about the cross, right? You guys read through the Gospels. He talks about it. It's not like they had no idea. But when he does, they're, they're not listening. So Jesus, you know, does the whole thing, Matthew 16. And then what does Peter say? Oh, no, Lord this will never happen to you. And in Peter's mind, knowing I'm a disciple of this guy, if he's going to a cross, that means I'm going to a cross. So, oh, no, that won't happen. It's going to happen to him. It's going to happen to me. It's not happening to me. I'm Peter. So, no, no, no cross, okay? So my point is that the day of the Lord, the restoration of all things, the resurrection of the dead, the restoration of Jerusalem, the blessing of all the nations of the earth from this one nation, all these things are throughout Israel's scriptures in like bright, flashing neon lights, okay? So if you just sat down this afternoon, opened up to Isaiah 1, and read to Isaiah 66, you would be full of the glory of the coming age. You'd be like, over and over and over, this is what he's talking about, okay? Everyone understands the glory. Everyone's well acquainted 
with the good promises. But the death of the Messiah, while in the law and the prophets, was in a, a positive sense, it's, it's veiled. It's hidden from their eyes. And in a negative sense, uh, it was there and just ignored. So either God hid it from their eyes, or they saw it and just didn't want to deal with it, right? And we're the same way, right? We read hard things in the scripture and we're like, all right, next chapter. You know, I don't want to deal with it either, but it's there. And so since it was hidden and, or, or since they were ignoring it, whichever, probably both, it had to be explained to them. Okay, the cross had to be given to them. Jesus had to open up their eyes to their scriptures, right? Not like pull some new revelation out of the sky, but from their scriptures and show them, hey, you guys missed the suffering. You're right on on the glory. Like no one, you're good. It's good. But you missed the suffering. So Luke 24, those same guys on the road, oh foolish ones and slow of heart to believe. Believe what? All that the prophets had spoken, okay? You, you guys were, you, you believed the glory of Isaiah 40 to 66, but Jesus says there's that servant stuff in Isaiah 42, and there's that suffering stuff in Isaiah 53. You didn't believe that. You didn't, you didn't consider that. So then he says, was it not necessary, based on what the prophets had spoken, that the Messiah should suffer these things? And what are these things? The, the cross, because they just said, you're asking about Jesus of Nazareth. Well, they crucified him and killed him. And Jesus says the Messiah should suffer these things, crucifixion and death, and then enter into his glory, the assumed Jewish eschatology, the age to come, resurrection of the dead, all this stuff. And then Jesus, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all their scriptures the things concerning himself. Does that make sense? Okay, so all these things concerning himself refers to the cross. Because again, no confusion about the glory. He doesn't have to tell Jews the glory of the future. They know it. But the cross, he has to explain to them. Acts 1-3, uh, to, the, to the apostles. After he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Okay, Not about the glory of the kingdom of God. They, they've got that. And again, based on their question, Acts 6, when are you going to restore it? Like they, they understand that. The 40 days of teaching that Jesus is doing after his resurrection is about the cross. About the forgiveness of sins required to inherit that kingdom. To be raised from the dead. So for 40 days, he tells them this. Okay, Here's the glory of the kingdom. Here's the cross required before it. And then this is what they preach. right? This is what they're doing in Acts and in their letters. Paul receives it in, in the same way, Galatians uh, 1.11. He says, the gospel that was preached by me, it's not man's gospel, okay? I didn't receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. So Paul shows up and he says, I'm proclaiming the forgiveness of sins unto eternal life through the cross. And the only reason I'm saying it is because the risen Lord appeared to me and told me, Hey, that cross thing that you were part of, this is what it meant, right? It's like, it has to be told to them. And I know that's, that might be different for us because, if, again, if you like grow up in Tonkawa, Oklahoma, you kind of know about the cross just by osmosis, right? It's just in the water and, and in the air. But it's, it, so it's normal. I, it's not normal, okay? Like if my grandpa dies, okay? Grandpa dies in a car wreck, okay? I don't go around telling people, you know, that car wreck atoned for the sins of Narden. I don't tell people that. Why? Because Grandpa didn't, like, raise from the dead and tell me, now, Josh, go tell people about this car wreck. 
Right? It's, you don't, it's not normal. So Jesus has to tell them this is what's happening. 1 Corinthians 15. The gospel I preached to you, which you received, for I delivered to you as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with scriptures. He had to, re- to receive it. Okay? The point is that the cross had to be explained to them. Jesus had to tell them it wasn't just that the Romans killed me. Okay, but it's that according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, I go to that cross. No one takes my life. I lay it down by myself and I did it as an atonement for sins so that through belief in me. And we'll get to other examples in their scriptures where this happens through belief in me. You can inherit eternal life. And then they all go, oh, (laughs) okay, that makes. Oh, yeah, it's just. Oh, okay. You know, they're. They start to get it. So Jesus' chosen method of interpreting the cross to them is Luke 24, Moses and all the prophets. 1 Corinthians 15, according to the scriptures. This is how he's going to do it. So in those scriptures, in Moses and the law and the prophets, what you find over and over and over and over and over in a myriad of of different ways is that the shedding of blood, sacrifice for forgiveness. Just all over this thing. So Jesus says, Last Supper... um, not the Last Supper. We're going to have this one again. Better. So, a supper. For this is my blood, sacrificial language, of the covenant, which is cut by sacrifice and blood, which is poured out, sacrificial language, for many, for the forgiveness of sin, sacrificial language. So Jesus says, again, before the cross, that the blood of the Messiah was shed as a sacrifice on behalf of others for the forgiveness of sin. So fairly straightforward, right? When you got this? I'm going to tell I'm going to explain it a lot more, but you got it? Yes. Okay. I, B, I miss your family here, man. Derek always said, wish I had a black church. I had one for a week. It was great. It was great. Okay. Jesus, Jesus ties his blood, his suffering, his death, his sacrifice, all this stuff. He, he ties it unto uh, covenant faithfulness. So Abraham, Genesis 15, he ties blood sacrifice unto deliverance, Exodus 12 and the Passover and unto forgiveness in the Levitical system. So Abraham sacrifices are made. Blood is shed. And then if you don't know the story, God walks through the blood and says, if this covenant between me and Abraham is broken. Let it be done to me worse than these animals. Okay, like I'm keeping covenant and the ones with faith like Abraham, they will inherit the promises of this covenant. Right. Blood sacrifice, making sure the covenant happens in the Passover um, event. A lamb is slaughtered. Blood is put on the door and the ones with faith. Right. Who act in accordance with what God has said about blood and about sacrifice. They are saved from the wrath to come when the angel of death passes over. I watched Prince of Egypt with Sam and Charlie this week. So I'm like full Exodus mode right now. Deliver us! Oh, it's so good. The Levitical system, right? Sacrifice is offered, blood is shed. Uh, Leviticus 5, 6. Why? To make atonement on your behalf for your sin, right? And so when this happens, Leviticus 4, 26, Moses says he will be forgiven, so in all of these, and I could pull more from, from the scriptures, in all of these instances, God is the one providing the sacrifice, okay? No one's like bringing anything of their own to make this thing happen. God is giving these things. Therefore, in all the instances of sacrifice, it's understood that sacrifice is a gift from God, 
Okay? Like God is the one providing animals in the Levitical system. He's the one providing the, the ram for Abraham. He's the one, like, he's the one doing the stuff. And he's calling on people through the sacrifice to trust him and, and do the thing. So Leviticus 17, 11, I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. Okay? So God, in all these instances, is substituting someone or something for the sake of someone else to be received by faith. Okay? Not a New Testament new idea that Jesus pulled out of nowhere. It's in the Law and the Prophets. Okay? It's in the Scripture. So, the apostles, after the cross, after the resurrection, after the ascension, they begin to preach, and they begin to write, and they begin to say things like this, Ephesians 5, 2, that Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Straight out of Leviticus, okay? As a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. First Peter, Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. First John 3, Christ laid down his life for us, right? It's, it's sacrificial, substitutionary language, right? So the cross event is understood by the apostles as sacrificial and substitutional. And what I just want to press today is it's unto something. Okay? The cross is unto the day of the Lord. It's unto um, eternal life. The cross is meant to do something for humans on the day. Okay? Like it, it's not just out there in the ether for whatever. It's there so that you can inherit eternal life on the day of the Lord and not get cast into a lake of fire. This is the point. And so back to week one, if you remember the day of the Lord stuff, there's three negative aspects to it. God's royal wrath on sin will be satisfied. God's righteous judgments will be assigned. And then payment will be required for those damages, right? Just like our courtrooms, right? Like this is like you smash someone's car, they're angry about it, they press charges, and then you gotta pay for it, right? We is like this because God is like this, right? This is how um, things are. And the apostles preach, hey guys, you know this cross thing that you did when you killed the Son of Man and hung him on a tree, it has an answer for all three of these problems. Right? All these problems about the day of the Lord that are just like this giant flaming sign in the sky, like this, oh, this is coming for me. The apostles hold out the cross and say, Here you go. Okay, got an answer for those things. So first, the cross provides propitiation, Bible word, for wrath at the day of the Lord. Okay, propitiation just means to put away anger. Okay, if someone's acting propitiously towards you, they are no longer angry with you for something that you did. They have put away their anger. And so because God loves humans and God loves the earth and is rightfully filled with rage when humans wreck what he has made, right? Like when we hurt, when we murder and hate and lust and do all the stuff, God hates it because he loves the world. Just like when someone, if someone were to wreck your house or hurt your child, you would be filled with anger. Like good, righteous, holy anger. And therefore, at the day of the Lord, when his patience and his forbearance are finished and he's allowed the fullness of men's depravity to reach its height, he will finally take vengeance on them. Okay. Romans 1 8, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against goodness? <laughs> no, against all ungodliness and the righteousness of men in the day of wrath. And that's, so that's bad news for sinners, right? If you've contributed to the things that God is angry about and the day of the Lord is about his anger, how does that work out for you? Poorly, okay? Poorly. God has a day of wrath 
for sin and sinners, which means God has a day of wrath for you and for me. And so to save humans from the wrath of the day of the Lord, because he loves humans, God provides propitiation in the sacrifice of his son. Jesus stands in on the cross as the second Adam and as Israel's king takes on their sin. And then God, Romans 8, 3, God condemns sin in his flesh. Right? Like Paul doesn't add the flesh bit for fun. He's like sacrifice, like blood is shed to, to appease. Okay? And it's condemned in the flesh of Jesus standing in the place of sinners. And it's not condemned in the flesh of those with faith. Okay, 1 John 4.10, that God loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And as a result, we can have confidence for the day of judgment. This is what the cross is. Does that make sense? Am I, am I talking to... Okay. This is really important if you're a human being. Especially if you're one who sins. Okay. The, the, your sin puts you in the crosshairs of, of royal wrath on the day. And the cross provides propitiation through faith. Okay, he's asking you to trust in the cross, put all your marbles there and nowhere else. And at the day of the Lord, the wrath of God will pass over you and you will be saved. Okay, through the cross. All right. So next, the sacrifice of the cross provides justification for the second negative aspect of the day of the Lord, which is judgment. Right. Right. If you're. All right, we've got, so again, the context uh, of the Lord's day, the apostles preached Acts 17, God will judge the world. By the man he has appointed. In Romans 2.5, at the day of wrath, God's righteous judgment will be revealed by that same man who he has appointed. Um, 2 Corinthians 5, he says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Okay? So there's a day of judgment coming where you're, you're, the, the judge is going to look at you, look at your crime, see what you've done, and then assign uh, a penalty, right? A sign, a, a, a payment. So consider your life, okay? Consider how much you've followed after your father, Adam. Um, consider your crimes against God and against God's image bearers. You got them? Okay. Don't dwell too long. You'll get very depressed, okay? Consider it, okay? There's a day of judgment coming our crimes against God and against his law. And so based on your life, based on how you have lived, based on things that you have, have thought, said, and done, based on all those things, how does the day of judgment work out for you? Not great. Okay? I'm telling you, the apostles are, are telling them that the charges will actually stick. Okay? It's a real judge, the real courtroom with real verdict to, to hand out. The charges will stick because you really did think those things. You really did say those things. You really did do those things. And not like, oh, oh that's just not me. No, you did those things because that's who you are. Like this, this the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus says like all these things come out of the heart of men. You did those things. Like there's no... There's no, there, you're not going to sweet talk the judge on that day and say, oh, not me. Like, it, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. You did those things. You said those things. You, you damaged real human beings, 
Real people made in the image of God, you chose to serve yourself over them and it caused real, actual damage. And so the day of judgment for you is bad. But the gospel says, the good news says, there is a sacrificial cross on your behalf for that day. Okay, like it's this is what it says. Romans three, all have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God. Okay, like this is like step one to Christianity is going. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm I'm not an idiot. I'm not a liar. Like, yes, absolutely. I have done and said all these things against the Lord and against his image bearers. That's bad news. But all are justified by his grace as a gift. Which is Paul pulling from Leviticus and saying the gift I have given for you placed on the altar for you to make atonement for your souls by his grace as a gift. Justification is provided through the redemption. We're going to look at that word in a second. That is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward. God provides the animal, right? Like God, like here's your son, Abraham, we're going to put your, here's the ram. God put him forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Okay. So another thing, I don't want you to leave here today going, wow, Jesus died on the cross. That's great. The day of the Lord goes great for me just by like divine whatever. No, it's through faith. You have to trust in the cross. You have to repent of your sins and receive what God has given. Like, it's not just like, oh, this is a thing that's happened and now things go well for me. No, he's calling you to trust in the son. Romans five. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men. So one act of righteousness, one act of perfect obedience, one act of faithfulness to God and his law unto death. Philippians two. Right? He was faithful unto death through this one act of righteousness leads to justification. And uh, bonus, I just was looking at this last night, and life for all men. So (laughs) the cross not only like justifies us for the day of the Lord, it also secures our resurrection from the dead, which is just so cool. Uh, And life, justification and life. For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So by one man's obedience, the many will be made, counted, reckoned, given a verdict of righteous, not guilty, pardoned. If you are in tune with your sin this morning, you will turn cartwheels over this. Okay? (laughs) This is not a small little thing to receive acquittal when the judge comes to judge. And, you, and like it's not a small thing. So your sin marks you guilty before God on his day. And the cross provides justification and acquittal through faith. Okay? Is that clear? I'm telling you, you can inherit eternal life. Okay? You can get raised from the dead. You can get a not guilty sentence by trusting in the cross. It's just, uh, okay. I'll take it. Yeah. And finally, the cross provide, the sacrifice of the cross saves us from this third aspect of the day of the Lord. Redemption. So it's an economic, right? It's a money, uh, what do you say, bean counter term. Redemption from the payment that we owe for the crimes, right? I smash the car. The guy's angry. He's going to press charges against me. And then I have a debt owed to pay for the car. And if I hit his Lamborghini with my truck, love my truck, um, those aren't equal, right? I can't just, well, you can have my truck. I'll take your, it, 
It doesn't work like that. So our rebellion against God and our, our breaking of his law, it has caused um, objective and measurable damage to God's very good creation. Okay? Like, I think that's important just to say that, like, sin does not happen in the ether. Okay? Sin is, sin is not just some, like, actual damage is done to human beings. Okay? Like... Uh, I will use a different example. Um, no, you get it. it when, when, we, when we sin, actual damage is done. Okay? Like, like children are actually hurt by what we do. Women are actually hurt by what we do. And there's damage like, like global financiers who act unjustly and greedily. Like that trickles down and people are actually harmed by our sin. It's like sin... Causes damage to the world, okay? Causes damage to people. And so in response, God hands us over to the slavery of our sin till our debt should be repaid. And again, spoiler, we can't pay it back. Okay, the damage, we've done damage to something. Just There's no way to count the value of what we've damaged, right? God, in the beginning, makes all things, looks at it and says, this is very good. And then sin comes in and wrecks what God, like, it's not a small thing. Okay, sin is not a small little thing. It actually causes damage. Okay, and so when you talk about the cross and you talk about sin and people don't respond to it and you just feel like, oh, that's archaic, whatever kind of language. It's because we don't understand sin. We don't think sin is as big of a deal that the cross would be necessary. But it is necessary because the, 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 what we damage is so, so bad it's too costly and it's too valuable there's no way we could pay it back guys it's god's very creation that we've damaged it's god's very image bearers that we have harmed and killed like we like we didn't spill milk okay like your kid spills milk well, we're cleaning up it's, it's we didn't do that we didn't have an oopsie we caused real death to to, to real people okay Real harm to real people's lives. We, we damage something infinitely valuable in God's sight by our sin. And payment for that damage is due at the day of the Lord, right? It's just an economic reality we, we all understand. And so therefore, the only way that we are saved on the day when the payment is due is through someone else paying. Okay? Someone else who, who doesn't drive my truck, but... But owns all the Lambos, okay? Through someone else purchasing, through someone else redeeming with something that matches the value of what was damaged. Okay? And that's something that matches and surpasses the value, if you haven't figured it out yet, is the Son of God. It's His very Son. I have nothing, uh, you damaged, I, I, creation very good. I poured my heart, soul, mind, and strength into this thing. You damaged it. The only thing that is, that is as valuable as this is my son, my only son. So Mark ten forty five. the son came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life, sacrificial language, as a ransom. Okay, gave his life to buy us out of our debt, buy us out of our slavery, pay what we owe. First Timothy five, six, there's one God and one mediator, courtroom language between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. First Corinthians six, you were bought, paid for with a price, with his blood He paid for you. Acts 20, you were purchased with his own blood. Therefore. 
For those who put their faith in the sacrifice, who look at the cross and say, this was the most valuable thing you had to pay for what I have done. You gave this thing. Now, that day of of recompense becomes for us with faith, Ephesians 4.30, a day of redemption. A day of being bought out of, of what I oh because Ephesians 1 7 in him in his cross in his life and death and bleeding and dying in him we have redemption ransom payment through his blood Hallelujah. like God loves you that's what I'm saying like God loves you okay so the point of all this is just to say and you have it in your guts for your own heart to preach to yourself day after day after day after day and so you can preach to other people that the cross is for the day. It's it, like this is what it's, it's, it's for through the cross. The wrath of the day is propitiated and put away. Through the cross, the judgments of the day are pardoned and the payments owed that day are recompensed, are paid. Okay? The message of the apostles is the cross For the day for you. Okay? And and, uh, we talked about this in our fifth grade class today. We're not just saying these things because whatever our parents told us and their parents told them. Although that's a good reason to say them. Okay? Thank God for godly grandparents and parents that hold it. We're saying these things because there's an empty tomb over there. Okay, I don't believe the the stuff about the cross just because I'm a real spiritual guy. Okay, I believe the stuff about the cross because the guy who taught these things to these men went into the dirt and then came out of it and said these things. And so that is why I trust in the cross. If there's an empty tomb, my faith is futile. I'm still in my sin. There's no hope for me in the day of the Lord, right? Like it's just not happening. So the, the message of the apostles, the cross before the day. For you, Acts 10, you know the message that God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace. Why is there peace? Because propitiation's been made, right? No more anger now. Peace through Jesus. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God as the judge of the living and the dead. And all the prophets testify that everyone who believes in him. Everyone who believes in his cross as propitiating, right, as pardoning and as redeeming and as a sacrifice, everyone who believes in him receives the forgiveness of sins through his name. Okay? Like it's just a simple, twofold message the day of the Lord and the means of forgiveness for that day through Jesus' sacrificial cross. Okay? This is their message and it has to be ours as well. All right? Like, don't go out into the world and preach something other than this. This works. This is what they said. This is what they died for. This is what they wrote. Like, this is it. The day of the Lord with its carnage and glory is coming. And you can inherit it by faith in the sacrifice of Jesus. I'm going to invite the um, musicians up. So because of the resurrection, we can preach the day of the Lord with confidence. Okay? We don't, we don't have to preach it like, ah. No, we can can preach it with confidence. It's real. It will come because of the resurrection. We preach Jesus as the Messiah, as the one appointed by God and and whom all the promises of God about the day, about the cross, about everything else find there. Yes. And because of the resurrection, we preach the cross. Okay. We we preach that the, the cross provides satisfaction for God's anger, pardon for God's judgments and the payment of our debts that we could not owe. 
So I, I just tell every, if you have ears to hear today, please have ears to hear today. Holy Spirit, please, please come open up ears today. Like if, I'm, if I have bored people today, uh, Lord, you do a work only you can do. Give us ears to hear. Holy Spirit, come open ears. Come open ears. So with ears open, we're saying through the cross, you can have peace with God for that day. Okay? I do not I do not care what the last 40, 50, 60, 70 years, 80 years, 90 years of your life have been. I'm saying now, through the cross, you can have peace with God. The anger of the Lord can be propitiated through faith in the cross. Through the cross, you can have your sins forgiven. Okay? Not like like actually forgiven, like actually not counted against you. Through the cross, you can have all of your debt paid. Okay? If you will repent of your sins and put your faith in the sacrifice. It's the only way. Okay? Everything else you want to you drum up and try and put forward on that day is garbage. It won't work. Okay? The judge will look at it and laugh at you. This is it. This is all that we have. Isaiah 53. He himself bore our sicknesses. He carried our pains. In turn, we regarded him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was upon him. And we are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We all have turned our own way. And the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of, of us. Okay. So I'm going to have uh, invite the elders um, to the front now. And uh, first thing we want to pray for today is it, if you want peace with God. <laughs> okay? You want your, your sins forgiven and pardoned. You want your, your debt paid for that day. So you don't inherit the lake of fire but you inherit eternal life the resurrection of the dead we want to pray for you for that today um and then anything else you want to pray about come pray with an elder um you can go pray with other people uh but we're just going to turn this into a time of prayer now but i'm just begging and pleading you like don't leave today not trusting in the cross not not trusting in the provision that's been made okay I'm going to pray and then I'll invite the elders up. Father, we ask you, um, God, send the Spirit to convict us of our sin. God, to to show us our need um, of atonement. Show us our need of a sacrifice, God. Uh, And and, and the the weight and the reality of sin. It's not a small thing that it costs you, Son, to, to heal and forgive and put away. In the name of Jesus, everyone said, Amen. Uh, so let's let's pray now. Again, small groups all around here, and pray with elders.